and welcome to the Sim Racing Perspectives podcast for the 19th of August 2018. I'm your host, Davy Jones, and I'm joined by Mike from Sim Racing 604. Hello, everyone. And a very special guest, Mr. John Sable. Hello, John. Hello, guys. John, thank you very much for joining. Um, unfortunately, Alex from the Extra Mile cannot join today. He's gone vacation, it seems. Lucky devil. So we hope to get uh, Alex back again soon. Um, to begin, I wanted to preface this episode with the fact that um, avid listeners may be aware that John only just appeared on Billy Strange's podcast. And we were aware that John was to appear on Billy's show and vice versa. Um, I listened to Billy and John's discussion and took some notes, so I planned to have um, a sort of chat today and taking into context what's already being discussed. Nothing too major, even if only to aid you, John, in perhaps getting back into things, since those of us who try and create content know how time-consuming it can be. Um, and as an additional note, I recall the ISR days when I'd be looking forward to podcasts and reviews from you, John, and, and John, you, John, sorry, Billy and Darren. And then over time, everyone went their, went their separate ways. And today I get to chat with you, John, and we've had Billy on, of course. So it just goes to show how times change. And that's how life is, I guess. Yeah, no, that's just, uh, that is how things go from, uh, from time to time, but yeah. no, thank you for having me, having me on, and, uh, no, it's been nice to kind of get back in the community and see how things have changed and things have popped up like this podcast. Exactly, exactly. Now, John, just some notes from your discussion with Billy, uh, from during the week. You're from Dayton, Ohio. And you're an aerospace engineer and you have a degree in composite materials engineering, which I didn't know. And you've been working on, um, you've been working in the aircraft industry on aircraft fuselages. Um, and one of the, no one of the things I noted was in your conversation with Billy was that you don't miss battling with Skype. And uh, I sort of agree on that point since trying to get um, audio correct is a bit of a nightmare. Indeed, indeed, I've had some comments on the channel from the quality of the audio, so it's like a daily struggle. And um, I noted that Skype for desktop recently seems to be going closer to the Windows 10 version, so all the options that I've kind of been used to in Skype, bad as it is or good as it is, depending on your point, depending on your point of view, seem to be going away. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I remember when they started pushing the, the Windows 10 version here about, I don't know when it was, sometime last year, and I, mm -hmm. and I accidentally used it one time, and I was like, oh, this is, this is terrible. So, uh, I, yeah, I quickly went back to using the download version, and I think the Windows 10 version is just a way for them to push more ads, which anytime you push more ads into things, uh, that, that becomes troublesome, and it's, uh, pretty annoying so yeah yeah skype as you know skype is skype and thank god we got a uh, discord now yeah discord and we're we're actually we we tend to go between two between both of them but more so discord and i also noted that you talked about uh, kind of funny games which uh, i noted from before and maybe you don't know also there's colin moriarty colin moriarty 
Colin Moriarty is from is from um, Long Island, and Colin Moriarty, him and Greg Miller were best buddies. So Colin Moriarty is now doing his own thing, and it's called uh, Colin's Colin's Last Stand and Colin's Last Stand Side Quest, and he's doing a podcast as well. So that's really excellent. So check him out, and I'll I'll send you some links and include some links in the uh, description. And you were also talking about the use of um, XSplit and OBS which to be honest, I don't really have any experience of. And over time, I've also noted that um, Billy's internet connection has come a very long way, <laughs> it seems. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's great to see that, um, you know, by the time I bow out of uh, Inside Sim Racing and all of that, uh, Billy goes ahead and finally uh, comes to the uh, I don't know about the 21st century, maybe at least the 20th century with uh, some real internet connection. Because yeah, we battle that all the time. So yeah. and, the, it's, yeah. and the, real, <laughs> the real funny thing is, Billy lives in a nice area, but it's just one of those deals of um, you know you're just so dependent on who your provider is, and everyone has a monopoly these days. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a shame, you know. You think about it, and it's probably so many people around the world that want to get into streaming or doing videos or live stuff and you just they just can't because yeah. they have cruddy yeah. internet so yeah. to some degree we, we all kind of got to be thankful those of us who are able to to do it because it's it's very easy to just live somewhere and just kind of not have an opportunity yeah actually um jimmy broadbent and his team in iRacing became sec actually came second in the Le Mans, 24 Hours of Le Mans on iRacing. And one of his teammates is uh, Stephen Bailey. And people were asking, does Stephen have a live stream? And Stephen doesn't live stream because the internet connection in his home basically doesn't support it. So he he basically uploads videos to YouTube when he can, I believe. But he's an amazing driver, but he doesn't have the ability to live stream. And I remember you guys trying to do a show and you were talking about the time it would take you and then Billy mentioning during the show that he was actually using his phone at one point. And now I, met, I know he mentioned recently that he's invested a lot of money in his um, internet connection. And uh, Mike, please interject at any point if you have something to ask or say. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, sure. Thinking about internet. Yeah. No, I was just thinking about internet connections and uh, how lucky we actually are in North America um, because some of my viewers are from Australia and they talk about their struggles. I didn't realize that Australia, for the most part, has, you know, really slow internet. And, uh, you know, some of my creator friends have said, you know, they've created a 10 or 15 minute video. They're starting the upload and it'll be done in a day or something really? like that. So, wow. yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. So, uh, but I think it's far more common to have slower internet in Australia than it is in perhaps Europe or North America. So yeah. I think we're pretty lucky where we are. Yeah. Well, that's that's ruining that's ruining my get out of the country plan because uh, I've always said if I would probably live anywhere else in the world, it'd probably be Australia because it just kind of seems like a, a more relaxed version of the U.S. I guess. But I mean, oh, slow internet speeds. I I can't do that. I, I guess I'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Interesting. <laughs> now, um, John, I like I said, I took some notes from your conversation with Billy, and you talked about na the NASCAR EA games from 2001, and then you that was before Gran Turismo, which you played at a friend's house, and you also mentioned NASCAR Racing 2003. Now, 
I didn't look this up, but I had I have a vague memory. Was NASCAR racing 2003? Was that Papyrus? And was that the game that was the origin of iRacing? Yes, uh, that was Papyrus, which uh, the iRacing team went from when Papyrus got shut down. Because yeah. what happened was, and in, in t- that was the last game released in 2003, and they released a, a version like uh, 1.1 essentially uh, that allowed it to be modded heavily because at that point EA Sports came in and, be- and bought the official license to NASCAR, which unfortunately at that time was something that was happening in you know a lot of the the U.S. sports, football and baseball, a lot of that went that direction. Yeah, and um, so they bought the official license to NASCAR, so that was the last game that Papyrus could uh, release. So they came out with a, an update that allowed it to be heavily modded. So even though it was released it, it it was released in 2003 and also i might add it was released in like january of, or, or february 2003 yeah uh so they were they were very good at like here's the new season here's the new cars you want instead of like ea sports that would get get to rounds releasing in like september or october yeah but um they 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 put it out there and it, it had a whole life of its own in the modding community so by the time i even discovered it i mean it was heavily down the road of being modded and it was uh people coming out with new car models since the cars started to change a whole lot there in that 2005 6 7 time frame and they became real arrow looking so um yeah i was I was all over that. And I can't remember the website. I used to spend a lot of time. I think it was a website called superspeedway.net, I think. And that and that and that and that was really big in the community and I was all in that. And then yeah, then when iRacing came out it was really funny because um when iRacing became a thing, they actually put a, I don't know how they did it, but they essentially tried to really clamp down on the modding that's right. NASCAR yeah. race in 2003. And it, be- it became this whole, like, everyone who was in the NR2003 community was like, you know, we hate iRacing. iRacing's going, and they're clamping this down, and they want to, and, and there's this game that they're making called iRacing that we haven't seen yet. And we've been, I mean, there was previews for years and years and yeah. years. And so they were clamping down, and there wasn't this iRacing to buy. And then on top of it, the whole subscription, uh, package was unveiled and that obviously but people went from a game that was all a bunch of free mods and essentially all you gotta do is buy the disc and off you go yeah to now having to go into the subscription model uh that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way so um yeah it was it, it was very fascinating to see back then now of course it didn't really deter me in the end because it was one of those things where it was like Early on, I was like, oh, why would I get iRacing? It only has a handful of tracks and cars, and why would I leave NASCAR Racing 2003? Yeah. But it became a point where, you know, that modding started getting kind of long in the tooth, and people start falling out. And then also, um, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm finally ready to see something new here. So uh, they, they, they got me early on, but uh, no, it was, it was interesting times back then. Yeah. That's right. I remember reading about that. There was some kind of legal battle where people had they had tried to close down the. Um, they took the elements of Papyrus and it became iRacing, and then they had a legal battle, like you said, to stop the modding. And then you mentioned um, NASCAR Racing 2006, and then you you talked about buying a, a Momo Black Wheel, and you went to Comp USA. And you mentioned actually going to Comp USA, where the staff knew their stuff, as opposed to going like some of the stores nowadays where people don't know anything. And I have 
found that myself and I, I, I should say that I'm often I'll say to my wife if I go to a place and I have to pay a bit more and actually get know-how I'm actually willing to pay I think that's kind of it seems to be the way nowadays you go to these superstores where there's lots of stuff lots of stuff lots of stock but the staff don't necessarily know anything so I, I kind of when you mentioned that you and, and Billy and Billy talk talking about a comp USA also being near where he was it kind of it kind of struck a chord with me because I've had the same experiences. Yeah, and I even had that experience uh, this week again because one of my other hobbies, well, and it's one—it's a hobby I haven't done in, I don't know, probably about six years now, yeah. is I used to collect a lot of die cast. Uh, I had a lot of die cast uh, NASCARs, Jeff Gordon 124 scale cars. Yeah. And then uh, I got into collecting die cast military airplanes. I have... An F-22, F-18s, I got a couple of those, F-11s, F-111s, so, um, you know, I got into that, and I found out from a co-worker that around the corner from where I work, there's actually a hobby shop that, that's what they specialize in selling, essentially, you know, die-cast airplanes, they also have some, like, some models in there, they have some really cool, like, 90s IndyCar uh, plastic models for you to put together, even though I, I... I've kind of given up on those because any time I, I buy that and get super excited, spend a bunch of money, and then I'd make a mess of it. So I've just gone straight to okay, okay, I'll just buy an already finished yeah, model yeah. that's made of, yeah. made of metal. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, there's, there's one of those around the corner, and I mean, they're pricing wise, they do look like they're a little more expensive than what I bought them on the past online. Yeah. But it's like the guy in there is super knowledgeable and is like, hey, I can get you this plane and this livery and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah. I, I, I think I might need to pick this up again, and if I'm going to pick it up again, I'll, I'll come see you just because I, I can't believe that there is a physical store for, you know, this yeah. very again another very niche hobby out there absolutely in the world. yeah and did you gonna you can actually go in and have a conversation with the guy yeah that's kind of nice and then you mentioned um I, I laughed at this you mentioned gtr2 on a laptop at college on a foldable table with a 16 by 9 19 inch screen that made me made me laugh and you also talked about the fact that you spend so much time in college watching tv but I thought to myself, maybe that was like you were watching TV instead of being out drinking and, and, and chasing girls. But I thought maybe you were perhaps a lot safer, <laughs> if I could put it I that mean, way. I uh, mean, really, the TV was just detrimental to my schoolwork. Yeah. I, was, I was not a very good student. And I worked a little bit in the industry when I was like in high school with some uh, local places around here. So, you know, you talk to the engineers there and, and it's like, does do these four calculus classes have to take matter? And they're like, I've been doing, I've been an engineer for 25 years. and I've never used calculus one day in my life. Yeah. So, um, when, unfortunately I went in there, uh, kind of ruined. So I, let's just say I was trying to more or less just get through my four years and get out working. Yeah. And, uh, I did that by the skin of my teeth for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the same for everybody. How about you, Mike? How about your college days? I actually uh, partied away my college days. Uh, fresh out of high school, I just decided that I was going to sort of enjoy life and travel a bit. And then it took me a further 10, 12 years back. So um, yeah. I'm an example of what not to do. But I eventually did do it and I went back and uh, finished school. So um, yeah, just uh, added a little decade of partying in there. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it becomes... It becomes uh... It becomes a very expensive party when you uh, 
when you go that route. So I, I tell I tell people if I meet someone in high school, I'm like, if you're not ready for college, please don't do it. You you can go you can go out and, and party much cheaper. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, especially with the price of colleges in the states now and and so on. So. Um, yeah, but I will say, I will say, well, boys and girls, even though I barely made it through college uh, with my my C for a degree, uh, I guess that was what I lived by. It can come back and bite you because before, right before, see, I'm trying to get the timeline straight. So I started, I, I went out to work inside sim racing in 2015. Yeah, uh, about a year earlier, I interviewed with uh, SpaceX. Oh, out, did you out in LA? Out in L.A. Really? And, uh, yeah, some, I had a co-worker who I worked with, and uh, she eventually got a job at SpaceX, and she put my name in. Um, and I interviewed, and I and it's like a five-round interview process. It's the most extreme interview I've ever done. You have, like, two phone interviews, and then you have an on-site interview, and then you oh, have really? another interview with, like, the, plant, the, the manager of the whole facility. And then there, the fifth interview, you get your package of your like you know who you are and all this information all the notes from the prior interviews yeah. that goes to the leadership team including elon musk who review it and i guess he's like heavily involved in all that stuff yeah and they, they everything i've done up to that point was all very positive the on-site was positive i got, I got the fourth interview with the, the site manager and he's like you know i'm calling you because i have to but every i've only heard good things from the team it sounded like we could really use your expertise and then I got to the fifth interview, and I didn't get the job. And oh. I really think it was my GPA. Like, they had a lot of guys. Like, my GPA in college was, like, a 2.8 or something. Uh, not very good. And, like, they pretty much only hire people with, like, 3.4, 3.5, you know, range. So, um, oh, yeah, okay. it, it can come back and hurt you. Now, in hindsight, I don't know how much I was looking forward to going out there and working like 70, 80 hours a week yeah. and spending $1,000 to rent a room at a, a house towards the beach. Mm. But I mean, you know, it might have been fun being out in L.A. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, yep, again, don't yeah. watch TV in school. <laughs> but on a, on a tangent, Musk is an interesting guy. I mean, he, what, he sold his, he's from South Africa, he sold his first game. He developed, a, he wrote a game at age 11. He's some kind of like child prodigy, I believe. And and then like he saw a comment recently, like, like, I don't care what your college degree is. You're only, you're, you know, I just want to see what you're currently working on. So he seems, well, I, I, he seems to kind of go with the flow and he seems to maybe say a lot of things and then perhaps retract. But that's interesting because it seems that he, from his recent comments, he's not so much interested in what you've done in college. It's like more so what you're doing now or what you're, what you've previously created. So that's kind of interesting. He, Yes, which was my point, and that's kind of what I yeah. told the uh, the hiring manager when she was putting my package together. I'm yeah. kind of like, I, I had read similar comments, but I, what I didn't realize at the time, I think he had like gone to college like for two degrees and like had dropped out because he was so brilliant. So mm. I don't know, maybe he was looking for a little more flash of brilliance. But mm. um, yeah, I don't know. I was trying to uh, have my work speak for itself, but uh, I guess it wasn't good enough, or maybe yeah. it's something else. I don't. I yeah. you never know. But I think he, in a way, sorry, I'm on a tangent now, but he's kind of like Jeff Bezos. He'll say things and then promise things and the engineers behind will go, no, 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 that's not possible, you know? So he's kind of, you know, he's kind of, kind of like that. So so he, he seems to shoot from the hip in a way, I suppose. Um, go on. Oh, I was going to say, he, he's, he's, just a, he's a true eccentric billionaire. Absolutely. I mean, it is. He's, he says a bunch of stuff and whatever 
you know what's true and what's not eh, you'll you'll time will tell yeah yeah like the guy who built the spruce goose what's his name the aircraft designer oh, I howard can't. hughes How, howard hughes yes. exactly yeah thank you mike <laughs> And um, you talked about you talked about Snapchat and how it's apparently dying. I actually, I saw uh, read an article recently how it's kind of dying a little bit compared to Instagram stories, Instagram Instagram stories, and so on. And then you mentioned um, R Factor, the original R Factor, and the, the wrecking due to bad netcode. And then you got into I have notes here. You ha- you bought got into iRacing. And you bought an Oboto, Oboto rig and triple screens and a G27. And then you had gone back to school and got an MBA. I didn't know that, John. That was interesting. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm clearly overqualified for uh, <laughs> playing, playing video games. <laughs> Perhaps, like, yeah. I, I, I guess. I don't know. But I mean, I mean some, of that, some of that NBA stuff still kind of comes into, especially like Inside Sim Racing, where that, so much of that was... Uh, running a business yes and, uh, true you know tr- trying to track down sponsors you know there's just there's so much more to it than uh what you see uh from the the youtube or the or the website absolutely side of things. but yeah uh, yeah i don't know I, I i got my mba you know it, it's i it's one of those things where i don't know how much i even use it these days but mm-hmm. i guess it looks i guess it looks good on the resume yeah, I have a friend of mine who's doing one, or he's he's in the process of completing it, and he's a very smart guy. I think many people do it, you know, no matter what the industry you're in, and it kind of it's it's also I believe it's a form of networking as well, and 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 you know, like you said, it's kind of widening your how would I say portfolio in a way. So definitely, it was a good thing to do, and then and I realized as well, I had forgotten about Jason Dunnington as well. I had that's weird. You you brought. You mentioned his name, and I thought, "Hold on a second. Now I remember him. Actually, that's strange." Yeah, he he was a quick uh, flash in the the pan. There, he hmm. uh, he wasn't he wasn't around long, but he made uh, quite the impact on the uh, community as a whole. Uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure the last video I saw, I know he started his own channel, and after he did like the "Why well, I Left Inside Sim Racing" pretty clickbaity thing uh, video. Uh, he had a video of like one of his buddies coming over and talking about aliens, which was something. Which I mean, I mean, I I think there's aliens and stuff like that. I mean, I don't yeah. mind that. But yeah, it, yeah, this yeah. was this th- this was getting into like some real out there conspiracy stuff. Area um, fifty one stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was <laughs> um, which well, I mean, you say that I, I don't I don't even necessarily push back too much against that. I mean, it's it, there's there's a lot of fascinating things that, that go on in secret. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was something else and it, it definitely was, uh, it definitely was interesting. Yeah. And then you talked about, you started at Inside Sim Racing and you were doing hardware reviews and then you had to learn how to create videos, which is in a sense what, which is, is what I've been doing as well. And like the video, the audio elements and, and many of us. And actually recently, um, uh, um, I had bought this. Do you, do you remember the uh, Trustmaster Ferrari Alcantara Integral? It sounds very fancy. And uh, I bought that set because it was a recommendation by you and you and Darren. You did a, did a review of it. And then I ended up going, to, going through uh, three wheelbases because I had two failures. And then oh. <laughs> I'm actually on my third T300 wheelbase now, although Billy hasn't had any issues. 
and then I made a video of the issues I experienced and actually in the video I included a clip of you and you and Darren actually recommending the wheel so I, I, I thought that was kind of funny um, yeah it, it, well it's one of those things we, we hear that a lot it's, it's like and, and we would try to say on all different wheels um, it's like we're not quality control long term testing no. now I don't think I, I, I've, I've never had a wheel fail I had um, on I think it was the Thrustmaster TX one of the it had that weird um, what was it for it's for the Xbox where it had the special cord Yes. That could be like turned on or off. I don't remember how that all worked. So I, I had that. I had one of those go on the fritz for us, and uh, Darren had another cable laying around, so that and that took care of that. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 uh, quality issues happen. People would always ask, it's like what brand has more quality issues, and I mean, it was pretty even across the board. I felt like especially time by the time I got done with uh, Thrustmaster and Fnatic, and even Logitech with the G29 and 920. Yeah. Uh, the, G- the G25 and 27, we used to, used to never hear anything about those. Those wheels were just, like, rock solid. But for whatever reason, when it went to the 29 and the 920, those started creeping in and started hearing some quality issues about those. So, yeah, yeah it's something that always happens. And, you know, all I can say is hopefully the uh, the whole process of getting a new wheel is as simple as possible but yeah. uh, I will say, going going back to that that Ferrari uh, five nine nine wheel, yeah, I still I, I I felt mine the other day, and that still is probably the nicest feeling material. The Alcantara, yeah, wheel, mm-hmm. yeah, the Alcantara I, of any wheel I have here, including mm-hmm. you know someone like the the Sparco uh, Alcantara they use. I mean that that five nine nine wheel is just sweet feeling yeah it is yeah and and it says it on the box it says the alcantara is made in the same factory where they you make the alcantara for the actual the wheels and the actual cars it's kind of like a like a like a a branding thing and then um you mentioned now this was funny you said you bought (laughs) you were because i remember you were building your um AMD based PC. You bought a NVIDIA GTX 1080 Ti before the bit the Bitcoin boom, and then you you sold that and you bought two GTX 1070s, and then you sold those and you made some money, and then you bought another um, 1080 Ti with a Ryzen 7 uh, system. So I remember you did the video of building the AMD based system. So how did that work out for you, John? So actually, to, to clarify, I had the ten seven. I had both. I, I had both ten seventies, and yeah. then I bought the ten eighty Ti, and then I sold the ten seventy. So um, I've only ever had one ten eighty Ti. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it was. I don't know. Disappointing. I don't know if that's the word. I mean, the ten eighty Ti is definitely like it's definitely super powerful. I went with an EVGA version, and I got yes. a, a little a little bit of an overclock on it. And unfortunately. I had to buy their. They have these these detune versions now that are that that if you see the product description online, it says DT at the end of it, and detune means that essentially you're not supposed to overclock it because ah. it's it, it's one that like didn't perform great at the factory through the silicone lottery when they when they built yeah. the cards. So, um, but but again, it was right when the prices were just going nuts and all the other ones are sold out, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy it, and then like that like. I don't even know if it was the next day or the next morning they were sold out of them, and then all the cards were just stupid expensive. So, um, but even with that said, I have gotten it to overclock moder- moderately, and uh, I mean it's still a lot more powerful than a 1070. 
is, but I mean, yeah, with my triple screen, the bat setup, uh, it, it still didn't, it still isn't pushing quite as many pixels as I was hoping it would. So, yeah. um, I've had to kind of mess around with some stuff and, and get things a little better. And then also it hasn't, um, it hasn't performed quite as good in VR as I was hoping. And, oh. uh, and, and Mike, I will say, I saw, I saw a little bit of, uh, I saw a little bit of your video of talking about VR and and you know how what it's like after some time and uh and yeah it's it's kind of one of those things where I was really hoping the, the 1080 Ti would be the savior but hey it's okay because Nvidia's about to any today or tomorrow I think launch their next version of cards and I'm sure I'll get all excited and is I'll it so, is it happening go- now because sorry I got kind of confused because they were talking about this RTX and I, I thought they were talking about these um, these um, quadro cards for like for workstations, and 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 then there would be a delay, and then they'll talk about the GTX range. Or is it so they're going to announce them now? I uh, I it briefly looked at it, but I think the twenty eighty is announced tomorrow, so the twentieth of August. Ah, okay. And uh, I did I did see the technical specs for it. It's a bit over my head, but uh, it's from what I could see in sort of the comments on Reddit, it doesn't look like it's going to blow the 1080 out of the water. Yeah. But it is sort of the next step. So so that'll be exciting. Yeah. And the guys on the um, Linus Tech Tips show, the one show, they I listened to that yesterday morning. They were speculating that maybe it's the it's the actually. It's the Pascal chipset with maybe this ray tracing components added or something. We'll have to see. Um, actually, back to you, Mike, because um, you weren't here for the hardware discussion. And one of the things I and I, I realized, and on, on out of respect for you, Mike, I'd forgotten to mention it because we talked about the the T three hundred. Now you were on a T three hundred, and then you bought the uh, AccuForce. And wasn't it Black Black Friday? You bought that, wasn't it? So you kind of jumped the gun it, and went went was. to direct drive wasn't it so yeah it was yes yeah. so i um i raced with a t300 for a long time and i had zero issues with it and that's exactly, kind of yeah. the most common question i get asked when i talk about the t300 is did yours break down i think there's just a large vocal well not a large but a, a pretty vocal minority that has had issues about the t300 and it and maybe it relates back to thrustmaster's customer service I'm not like there are yeah, quite a few do. people that have you know taken to the internet to say how much they hate their T300 because it broke down on you know day 10 and then they couldn't get a replacement whatever it was but uh, I actually had no issues with it and I still use it on my PS4 and I to this day have no issues with it um, but yeah I, I got in on Black Friday and uh, got the direct drive wheel and it's hard to imagine ever going back quite frankly yeah. um, it just feels and I've I think of this in my video, but uh, it feels like you're using an actual piece of hardware as opposed to a toy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's an industrial motor with a steering wheel bolted to it, effectively. Yeah. And uh, you feel that. You feel because I'm a pretty big guy, and uh, it just feels like you can do whatever you want to this thing, and it's not going to break. And yeah. uh, so it kind of you know makes the whole point about reliability uh, kind of moot. It's it's just that good. Yeah, and you're running a 1070 or 1080, Mike. Which one does you have? Which one is it? 
I'm running a 1080. Yeah. My computer has always had issues. I tried to do my first home build, and I, it's been running somewhat consistent lately. But yeah. uh, in retrospect, I probably should have gone with a pre-built. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm, I'm running the 1080, and probably no plans to upgrade. I just... Um, no, no, the there's only no need. game. No. Yeah, yeah. The only only game that kind of give anything uh, video-wise is a set, of course, I'm still having drop frames, and I thought it might have been my video card, but I'm not convinced about that anymore. I don't think anymore. so. No. I so, don't think so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Until I, like, I have no plans to go with triples or anything like that, so it's fine. The 1080's fine. Uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. the TI, like you, John, would, yeah. be a, would be a step up, but uh, I don't see myself going that way anytime soon. Although, I will say, if you're going to buy a video card time because Bitcoin and all associated cryptocurrencies are tanking, so it's actually come down a lot in the past That's few months. That's true. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so. the market was going to be flooded with kind of used uh, Pascal-based GPUs, but of course you have to be careful in case you end up buying something that's maybe burnt out from using bitcoins and so on. Exactly. It would be yeah. a massive grain of salt yeah. if you saw somebody selling all of a sudden ten, you know, ten. ADT, I think that'd be warned that he's yeah. probably overworked those things for the past year. Most probably. And I, I actually, back to John, I have this EVA, EVGA branded um, 970, it's overclocked, but in terms of overclocking, I haven't got a clue. I'd be terrified to do it because I might burn out the card or something, you know. But, um, yeah, well, th thankfully there's enough uh, information out there. Like, over overclocking myself, I get a little bit nervous on mm -hmm. it. Um, but there's like, I like to use the website, I think it's guru3d.com. Yes, that's it, yeah. I, I, I like them a lot. I've, I've read that site for, oh my God, for at least a decade now. And, um, and they always do a good job of overclocking. I think it's also like overclockers.net or something like that. So, um, yeah, I always try to go and search. What, what makes it kind of tough sometimes is trying to find the overclock for your exact card. Yes. Because, you know, it, it's not, there's a little bit of deviation between the manufacturers when it comes to like you know a 1080 ti or whatever card mm -hmm. but um yeah no i don't it's it's not too bad i like to use uh afterburner from msi and i yes. tend so that's like one that's like one of the few programs i have that i allow to start up when uh, windows starts up because it doesn't have too much of an impact yeah. on uh startup speed and all that stuff and it's not evasive you know I, I i when i got discord you know not that long ago i i went and of course, when you install something brand new these days, it does a thing where it automatically starts with Windows yeah, and like popping know. up, and it's mm. like, no, get out of here! And <laughs> yeah, I really try to be yeah. specific. Now, one thing that uh, yeah. you know, Mike was bringing up, you know, with the AccuForce is one thing that is nice about having the Sim Commander software that I do like is when you launch a profile, you can have other things open. So I got set up where when I launch that. I have the Z Z1 dashboard that I have launches that software, yeah. and then also like trading paints for. For iRacing, since I guarantee I always forget to launch that, and then you're in a race, you're like, why does everything look all plain? Oh, because I, I don't have trading paints open. So um, yeah, yeah. Now that that is one thing that is nice because having to remembering to open up all the ancillary software, especially in sim racing where there's so many different little pieces of software out there these days, is always kind of annoying. Yeah. Actually, and the one thing is, it also depends on the amount of RAM you have, and then you could you could start 
the PC with maybe five or ten things running and then something could crash and maybe crash the whole PC and actually I run, let me see, if I run, I run uh, um, the pit crew app, what's it called? The crew chief, so, I'm sorry. Uh, like I run the crew chief app and then I run this uh, voice attack app and I run two or three others and then I kind of have to remember to do it so it's like a, it's like I spend like 20 minutes setting up and then I like 10 minutes actually racing so it seems to be you know well yeah and that and that is that is one of my kind of pet peeves sometimes when it comes to sim racing you know there's yeah. especially these days i i'm just so busy with uh home life and stuff yeah you know, my, i'll be i'll be working on a home project and i'll be getting grumpy which is normally how that always goes and my wife's like just go race for a little bit i go okay and then i get over and <laughs> yeah. it's like like a free pass 15, yeah. <laughs> 15 20 minutes later after i yeah. go and i hit all the t- press all the toggles and the buttons and switches and I pull levers. It's uh, I can eventually get into a session, and then I'll get into that. Like the other day, I jumped into just run run some laps in I racing with a new Indy car at yeah. uh, at Pocono, yeah. and I go in there, and for whatever reason, I've been having this issue. Um, my paddle shifters weren't being detected, yeah. and I got to set up now with my AccuForce where I got the sim racing machines adapter, and I have the. Uh, Fanatic Universal Hub on there, and then I and I got a Sparco F10 steering wheel, which is a real steering wheel they came out with this year, and I put it on there. Yeah. And once in a while, I'll, I'll jump in, and it just won't detect it. And I gotta like shut down the computer. Normally, I just plug in the the cord, the USB cord, into a different slot, and then it remembers and everything works, and the button the button box essentially works again. Yeah. So. You know, it's like, okay, I just want to come in here and turn some laps and maybe tweak a little on the setup, or at least just kind of see where it, you know, where the baseline's at. And I can't do that because I'm fussing around and turn the computer off and 20, 30 minutes later. So, yeah, those, those are the things that um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes well, drive me nuts. Where it's, it's like, like, why do we bother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, all these little toys, you know, it, it did used to be simple. And, and I do understand people always ask about, uh, uh, console versus PC gaming, yeah. and I don't think I ever made a video of this. I really did want for a long time do it, kind of do a pros and cons type thing. Yeah, and it's like there's definitely pros to just you know turning on the console and you got what you got and, and off you go. You don't have to fuss around with all these other things that we bring on ourselves, which tends to be direct drive wheels and triple screens and all and VR. You know. When you're yeah. racing on the console, it's hooked up to the TV, and uh, yeah, off you go. So uh, there's there's definitely some some pros there, and I kind of want to get back. I talked a little bit with Billy, but I like to get back to running Grand Turismo Sport more, and I kind of need to get a setup. I, I, I like to have my PC setup that I have, and then I really eventually, and I don't know when it's going to be, but it's eventually, like to get more of a console set up here in my uh, yeah. kind of the man cave room so if i do want to do that i can just jump on and jump into a race and uh really give it no extra thought yeah now see there's a thing because there's a guy um mike will know who i'm talking about tim the Toolman, and uh tim has is a mike will know who tim is and tim has left comments on on the podcast and i think it was tim who asked for can we have a discussion on on uh, console versus pc now now that I'm thinking about like what we just discussed, like the time it takes, you know, maybe to build a PC, maybe swap out components and start all the apps. And then like the console can be um, so easy, like you said. So, and then 
the fact that uh, and I you mentioned it and I made note that you're you're running this AccuForce with the Sparco F10 rim and the Trustmaster handbrake and then so if you have the direct drive wheel and and this is also to Mike if you have a direct drive wheel which basically requires a PC but yet you want to maybe build up the um the console setup so you can just have time just to maybe jump into like a set of Corsa or GT Sport or Forza. How do you then, you know, if you go from from the direct drive to the the kind of the, the, the custom setup, are you losing something then? You maybe you gain time by having more time to play on the console because it's simpler. But are you are you losing something in terms of the experience because you can't use the same uh, hardware you're using on the PC, if you know what I mean? Oh, Mike, I'll let you go first. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, sure, you're, you're giving something up, but I try not to be too, I guess, the about my sim racing hardware. Like, I know, um, let's kind of jump topics here, but but VR, okay? Mm. Um, I love VR. I have VR. I run VR off. I'm not somebody who can't go. And um, it's the same with my wheel. Yes, I have a direct drive wheel, and it's awesome. But um, if I am, if if for some reason tomorrow I had to sell it, or you know, it broke down or whatever, and I had to go with my T300, I think I would be perfect. Honest. I, I yeah. I, I guess it's also because I don't compete. I'm not you know a high level racer where everything has to be perfect and spot on with what I expect out of a system. Mm. I try and just make it a fun hobby above all else. So I don't mind one bit. So to sort of answer your question, if I'm going to jump on the PS4 or um, if I had you know perhaps it, it, you know a rig dedicated to sort of fun racing as opposed to competitive racing, and I had you know old wouldn't bother me too much um but i know there are people who you know now that they have direct drive they'll never race anything else now that they have vr they'll never go back to pancake racing Mm. as they call it or anything like that i'm not of that mindset really again it's it's just fun for me it's the same reason i can enjoy Gran Turismo Sport, the same reason I can enjoy Project Cars 2. I mean, do they feel as good through the wheel as R-Factor 2? No, if I'm speaking honestly. No, they don't. I, it kind of feels numb compared to R-Factor 2 or Automobilista or something like that. But mm. I don't let that get in the way of my fun. Yeah, I, I just try and enjoy sim racing as, as a hobby. And again, I'm not competitive, so maybe I have a different mindset than most people. But mm. I try not to be too elitist about it and just kind of enjoy the experience, however it comes yeah. to me. I, yeah, no, I, I, on, I agree with that. Yeah. Also, well, what, what, what's funny, you made the comment of uh, not being as competitive. I mean, I, I do feel like probably some of your most vocal people when it comes to things like uh, high-end hardware uh, are probably people that aren't, like, that quick. I feel like a lot of people who are, like, very good tend to do it on very generic or older equipment. True. Uh, Very good point. Very good all, point. Yeah. All day long. So yeah, there's definitely. I feel like there, like we talked about earlier with when people have issues, there's a, a vocal minority. I think there's a vocal minority of people who are uh, peddling the narrative on uh, super high end hardware and how amazing it is. Um, and 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 then you know, in terms of how many people are out there racing more generic stuff, or people who are fast racing more generic stuff. Now, with that said, it's something I always. I and we always try to get across on the show um, with Inside Sim Racing is 
yeah, you know, higher end equipment does feel nicer. Like I, I have the AccuForce, I got all the wheels here. I have the AccuForce on here because it's a direct drive wheel and it feels, uh, you know, it's amazing. But I mean, mm-hmm. there's definitely, I'm not going to say you can't go and enjoy sim racing with uh, lesser hardware. And that was always, that was always a really tough juxtaposition with the show is you know you 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 try to review the hardware for people who are interested in buying it because even Mm. if it's even say if it's like it's a thousand dollar direct drive wheel uh a good percentage the majority percentage of your audience is automatically wiped out probably just from the cost alone but there is a percentage who can't afford it and they are looking for a legit review and trying to decide if they're going to spend their money on it. So it's hard. So you, you have to go and, you know, it might be something where you're like, you know, me personally, I would never spend that much money or I, I can't spend that much money, what have you. But there's people that can and they want a legit review and you can't go and uh, just be kind of flippant about it and be like, uh, it's great, but this is way too expensive. You know, it's a major con. You gotta, you gotta, you know, give from a perspective of someone who's in the marketplace and say, okay, well, I mean, is this price, is the price and performance good enough for someone who's shopping in this range of X dollars? Mm. So, um, but also, besides that tangent, back to the main point, um, it is kind of, I, I do struggle a lot with my sim setup in terms of uh, compatibility between PC and the console. So, you know, for a long time I had Thrustmaster wheels on my rig and uh and I I had the I had the PS4 like when we, we when we reviewed Gran Turismo Sport, I had that on my primary setup playing through my center monitor. I had it right next to my PC mounted on the wall here. Yep. And uh it was nice to be only have one rig and one area where I could play PC and consoles. Well, now that I've gone to the direct drive wheel and having that full time on my rig and trying to get away from all the swapping out of hardware that I used to do, that was a major pain in the butt Yeah, uh, to, to do that swapping out all the time. Uh, now I don't have that, that option. So now if I want to go race them like that, I got to go set it up on another rig and roll over to the yeah. TV. Now, yeah. in my position, I, I, I have multiple rigs. I'm up to my eyeballs in rigs. I'm looking to get rid of some hardware yeah, you to make some that. space yeah. here. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bit spoiled in terms of that. But, you know, maybe it's a rig that I'd, I'd rather race on my primary rig. I'd rather not be on a secondary one. So that's what makes kind of what Fanatic's doing with their direct drive wheels kind of interesting because they're going to have the PlayStation and Xbox compatibility. Yes. Uh, so that makes it interesting for someone who maybe plays a little bit of everything and, and wants to uh, you know have a wheel that can can do it all. Because yeah, you know that, and that also becomes a consideration in the price. I mean, those. I haven't paid too much attention to it, but the Fnatic Direct Drive wheels seem to be, you know, they, they're pricey. You know, they're getting up over $1,000. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe if that saves you from the hassle of having to go and uh, swap out wheels or maybe get a different rig or what have you, maybe that's more worth it to you. So, um, yeah, there, there's so many things to consider in this. And, um, unfortunately, the manufacturers, they take advantage of... Um, of whether or not you're a PC or you're a console player for the most part. You know, there, there's a lot of licensing stuff that goes on that kind of um, forces you to buy uh, this wheelbase or, or buy two wheelbases if you want to 
run on everything. Yeah. And um, that that's that part kind of. I mean, I get it. I get I get it from a business standpoint, but it does kind of suck for the consumer. Yeah, it's like Sony. It's like Trustmaster making a GT branded wheel for for the playstation and so on that maybe is is maybe playstation only or maybe playstation and on pc i guess back to the original question console versus um pc like like tim the toolman had suggested i guess it's i mean i posed the question it's a kind of a tough question to ask and a tough question or tough question to answer rather because it's kind of open-ended and it's different for everybody and I guess to start with, the software, like the games on the console can be so different. I mean, in most cases, there's no modding. And like a set of Corsa on PC, the console versions came out so much more later. And maybe the, the, the force feedback maybe isn't as good. And then the DLC comes out later. And like, for example, the original Dirt Rally came out later. So you're, you're you know, maybe you're, you're, you're losing some elements on console that you're not getting on, on PC. And... And they're like the never the twain shall meet, so so to speak. I guess they're they're just different, and that's just the way they are. So there is no there is no definite answer whether one is better than the other or comparison. They're just different, and that's just the way it is, I suppose. Yeah, no, it it being the, the very complicated landscape of mm. sim racing in terms of hardware, software, and then also yeah, the hardware you you play it on. Yeah. Uh, definitely creates a lot of point of discussions which uh kept me employed for a while so uh that's true <laughs> if it was that's very if, true, it, yeah. if it was easy what would we talk about <laughs> yeah that is true um now a segue directly to fanatech now you mentioned you mentioned the fanatech um launch now there's the fanatech dd1 and there's the fanatech vlvr now we talked about this in the hardware discussion we had with 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 alex from the extra mile and billy and I wanted to wanted to talk about this as a as a as a as an as a discussion point because in a way you're kind of getting back into things in a way, John. And the fact that you guys are are both using um, AccuForce wheels and the fact that um, uh, Mike was not here for the hardware discussion. So what do you guys think about the Fnatic Direct Drive wheel? There's the DD1, the DD2, the Field VR. What do you what do you guys think? Or are you interested in in looking at them or how how are you kind of keeping up? And it seems to me that the 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 direct drive wheel launch from Fanatec it was a bit kind of a bit kind of uh, fuzzy because there was this kind of auction based thing, and then the field VR thing that was kind of based on um, on uh, on crowdfunding. So what did you guys think? The field VR thing, I'm fairly I don't know skeptical is the word. I definitely have a lot of questions. Now, they did reach out to me about trying it out when they came, and they did, a like, a, I guess a little tour of the U.S., yeah. but at that point, I was kind of on my way out, so uh, I didn't take them up on that, and also would have been a good amount of travel for me. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of... There's, there's two thoughts. I mean, I've seen a couple of the videos... And I, I do worry a little bit from a production standpoint. I mean, as a R&D type wheel, I think mm. it's a great idea. You know, the 3D printing's cool. But then again, you know, I look at it and I'm like, this looks very 3D printed. Um, it looks very 3D printed. It's also, it's not the most attractive wheel I've seen. You know, a lot of times less is more. And uh, it doesn't, as they say in, ca- in making cars, it doesn't cost any more money to make a pretty car than it is to make an ugly car. Yeah. And so you might as well make something that looks nice. And then lastly, um, 
I don't know why they're doing pedals with it because the pedals didn't seem the best, and I don't know. I you know it just makes so much more sense in my opinion to just focus on making a good wheel base. Uh, you know, maybe you just more or less work, look at the wheel base. You don't worry. T- and may- I mean, maybe you come out with a, a cheaper steering wheel like they got and then let people mod from there like you see a lot, especially on the OSW side. Um, but yeah, so that that is a little odd. Um, Fanatic-wise, I haven't spent a, a whole lot of time looking at it. I mean, it's one of those things where, like everyone else now, I'll just kind of wait to see what the reviews say and when it gets out there in the wild. I don't think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that's really being released until like the end of the year. Yeah, and you it's you mentioned December. Yeah, December, and you mentioned this, uh, John, and I noticed wasn't it so that they have console compatibility for the DD one and DD two? Yeah, and I mean, Mike, do you do you do you have more insight in on how it all? I know they can do both, but it's one of those things where it's like one or the other. Or maybe it's a steering wheel that you have to buy. I. Think, and I could be wrong about this. Um, I'm trying to recall when the launch was, but I believe there's a console only or, or maybe a PS4 only version that hasn't yet been detailed. I could be yeah. wrong about that, though. It's interesting, okay. though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I did see. Yeah. Go on, John. I did Sorry. see on their website. On their website, they sh- they have a picture. I looked at it last week. Of a, it's kind of like a grayed out image, and it's like, and it's the the one of the direct drive wheels. I don't remember which one it is, and then it has a formula looking steering wheel attached to it that I think is the one that's supposed to be PS4 compatible. So that hasn't been unveiled yet. I think I clicked on it in the link; just it's a dead link. So um, you know, maybe that's what you're getting at there, Mike. But yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see when it's kind of out there in the wild. I mean, I will say, I talked to Thomas at E3 2017, so we're talking uh, about 14 months ago. Yeah. And, and he was talking about how they were developing the direct drive wheel and just how challenging it was. And I think the biggest challenge was the mechanism of using, or at least the concept of using the current steering wheels they have available, which I think was definitely a very important thing because you have all these wheels out there that people have, so that makes it a lot more attractive to folks who already are in the Fanatic universe. Yeah. And then they wanted to do it without having the cable that you see on you know, pretty much all the other direct drive wheels, including you know, uh, the AccuForce originally wasn't supposed to have a cable, but there were some issues with uh, the non-cable version and the transmission of uh, all electronics via just a steering wheel so um yeah you know that that would be that would be very slick to achieve both of them i think i saw part of their video if you use a i think if you use a current wheel they have another locking mechanism but anyway thomas is going on how just how tough it is to like also from like a uh somewhat like a a regulatory standpoint because they're selling this wheel to the masses and a mass-produced product has to you know it can't break your wrist you know, no, all of a sudden. that's true. Mm. It, it, so there's, there was a big safety aspect in all of that as as well. So uh, clearly yeah. that development's gone much further than uh, I think he was uh, looking. I, I think they were shooting for more like end of last year to release it. Uh, now here we are pushing out another year and all that uh, cost of R and D and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot to it. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what comes of it and how it's received by everyone. Um, I know there's been some comments based on the price and how much it is, but yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of feel I kind of feel like it's somewhat in line with everything else. But uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll be waiting like everyone else. 
And I guess it's a question whether a console player would be willing to spend a thousand dollars or more on a on a on a wheel. I suppose not. I don't know, but um, I think. Go on, Mike. Sorry. In that yeah. case, yeah, sure, sure. So um, I think they would, and I think what we forget as PC sim racers is just how big the console world is. True. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what uh, Gran Turismo Sport just passed, but I want to say it was five million copies sold or something like that Mm -hmm. and so when you have a base that large there's going to be some outliers there's going to be a percentage of outliers who want the best wheel available and um you know so even if it's one cent of that five million users that's still a huge amount of of units you're going to be potentially selling so um you know like it it's it, end to one or something, um, Gran Turismo Sport active users versus a Settle Corsa or something like that. So, mm. um, it's not a segment they can ignore, really. No, um, yeah, and and just real quick on the uh, Fanatec wheel, it is compatible with Xbox One, it's uh, not going to be compatible with PS4 until the next, the third uh, direct drive base. Okay, DD3. See that that's some, yeah. that that's something that Fnatic has done for a while. It's kind of interesting. You brought up Thrustmaster with the two different bases. It's like Fnatic does the same thing, but then if you have like this steering wheel, you can get it to work with like the CSL. You got it where you can buy the PS4 CSL and work with the PS the PS4 and the PC. And then if you buy this steering wheel, it can work with the Xbox One compatible. It's a fascinating thing. And then for the longest time, Fnatic like. Remember, remember when I think it was with the uh, CSW where it could with the Universal Hub where it could work on any co- both consoles and the PC, and then they got kind of slapped in the wrist because they were kind of doing that unofficially for Sony, and Sony didn't ah, like that. Yeah. So mm. um, yeah, there, there's <laughs> it's been a lot of uh, there's been a history of games at play trying to get this all to work, and, and like I said earlier, even though it is more beneficial to the maker to the wheel makers. A lot of it does also come down to can be blamed on the relationship between Sony and Microsoft, and uh, especially Sony. Sony, on a lot of other general games, I know is is kind of anti cross platform. So um, that the whole Fortnite issues. thing, yeah, that's true. Yep, yep, mm. that creates yeah. issues down to the hardware side yeah. as well. Yeah, and I guess um, they wouldn't be making it if there wasn't a market there, like you said. Even a one percent of of five million is still something. And I'm thinking now, if the Xbox One is a series of virtual Windows 10 PCs kind of grouped together. I guess the drivers on Windows could be could in in a sense be modded for Windows 10, so it should work. Hey, there's a noob question if I if you don't mind me asking. On the AccuForce, do you have a big like red stop button? Like to stop it in case like Jimmy Broadbent has talked about this. You know like on a industrial motor there's a there's a cutoff button. Do you have that on the AccuForce wheels? It's it comes with an inline switch. Yeah. Um, it's very uh, discreet. Um, yeah, there's there's no big red button that's included with the, yeah. the Veach. But uh, I mean, a it would switch, be a matter though. of... Yeah, a cutoff switch. It would just mm. be a matter of going to your local electrical supplier and, you know, wiring yeah. it, it up. Yeah. I don't think it would be a big thing to have some yeah. sort of disconnect. Yeah. But no, it just comes with a basic inline toggle switch. Yeah. I guess... Um, and, and I Go on, John. Sorry. I'll, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I, I I have been a little interested from OSW users if anyone's ever ever actually used it. Yeah. Because I've, I've never had a time where, like, the wheel, the AccuForce has freaked out on me and seen any kind of reason to need uh, a kill switch. Yes. Uh, or, but, or button in that case. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm 
it, it is fascinating how there's always one on pretty much every OSW sold, and, and then how much is it used, or or is that just how they started up in, instead of having an inline switch? Yeah. I think it's probably an insurance thing, Yeah, would be my guess. Mm. Um, just because, as we alluded to earlier, this thing does have the potential brain, if not break wrists. I mean, if you went crazy with your settings and had, you know, a 20 newton meter motor dialed up all the way, um, you could potentially damage uh, a wrist so i think probably for insurance purposes they would recommend that uh, you have that big red switch and if something went wrong uh, they could at least fight it in court and say well did you press the red switch to turn the machine off something like that that would yeah, be my guess it's in the instructions. had something to do with that i just remember jimmy broadman unboxing his osw and he had this big like cut off switch that you would see for example like in a factory on a on a conveyor or something and i wondered and it comes back to the fact that that John mentioned the strength of the of the Fanatec system, although it would be less, I guess, than an OSW or an AccuForce, but the strength would st- still be there. Now, in the interest of time, Mike, you had some questions for for John. Yeah, sure. Um, and yeah, I apologize, John. I got to jump off a bit early here, but uh, uh, to ask you a few questions. Sorry. Uh, um, relating to sort of your ISR days, and I don't want to dwell on this too much because obviously you've moved on to bigger and better things, but um, do you miss having a public voice? And uh, I know you're still somewhat into sim racing, perhaps not as much as at one point in your life, but uh, do you miss having that public voice? And then when a game is updated or uh, you know a new title is released, do you miss being able to share opinions on yeah, no, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean, it's probably true for a lot of people. I mean, you see how popular, you know, comments are and social media and that isn't that all of us just trying to yell our opinion out into the void of space and hope someone uh, hears it. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm no, I'm no different or, or better. Uh, no, I definitely miss being able to go and, and give my two cents and, and try to give, at least in my opinion, I think a fairly objective, uh, look at it. At least that's what I was always trying to go at. I mean, of course, it is my opinion, so I guess it is subjective uh, naturally. But no, I, I I do miss it, and um, and that was something I got touched on with a little bit of talking to Billy. I mean, that was always a tough thing that I don't think I ever quite did the best with the show. Is at the end of the day, people are there to watch you and and hear your opinion to some degree. And spending all the time that I did on, like, you know, making very pretty uh, videos and uh, all the filming and editing that that entailed, uh, probably, you know, it, it mattered. And it's definitely people appreciate that. But uh, maybe at the end of the day, just sharing my opinion was uh, would have been uh, an easier way to go. So, no, I, I definitely miss that. And, and I, I think all the time about how I could get back into it in a, in a let's say, a less... I guess life impacting way now that I have a a full time job and a family and stuff like that, and I can't dedicate all my time to that alone. Hmm. Hmm. And I was going to ask you about that actually, because you know I think uh, I have perhaps a similar life to your own. I don't know too much about you personally, but you know I'm a husband and a father, and I have a full time job and things like that, and so I can't even really make time to build my iRacing career because um, my uh, sim racing time 
as I would say, you know, I usually get time on Saturday and Sunday mornings, and then maybe a half hour before I go to bed. Um, how much time do you allow yourself for sim racing, or how much do you, um, how often do you get to sit down in front of your rig? It hasn't been a whole lot the last uh, six months. Now, I will say I, I, I have some opportunity to get time because, um, like you said, it's just trying to find time where you have it. And, like, um, we, we did a little bit of an ISR TV league last year. I think we were racing, like, Tuesday nights. And, and Monday and Tuesday nights work out well for me. My wife, she works at a local hospital here as a physical therapist. And she so she works kind of strange hours. She has every Wednesday and Friday off, and then she, but then she works every other weekend. So on those weekends that she's working, I mean, especially, like, Saturday and Sunday mornings. And, and before I, I started Inside Sim Racing, uh, Saturday and Sunday mornings were always kind of like my racing time. I get in, I try to run, especially in iRacing, those tend to be some of the best turnout in things like the IndyCar or, uh, you know, GT3. And even for a little bit, I, was, I ran the Lotus 79 for a while, and there was a very small but dedicated hardcore bunch, and your strength of field races, or essentially just races that would go official, had to be Saturday and Sunday morning uh, East Coast time in the U.S. So, um yeah, those are times where I like to race, and um, there are times I'm hoping to race more. Right now, I've been uh, just up to my eyeballs in house projects, and uh, we've pretty much redoing the house floor to ceiling, and it's been a major time suck, and it's one of those things where I'm trying to like bang that out right now so then I can get back to sim racing uh, at a future date. That's probably... A challenge, maybe not the best plan, because other things always inevitably come up. But um, that's what I'm sh- I'm shooting for. But I but I mean, with that said, I am trying to get a little more carve out time here and there, and uh, I got to do better on those uh my my quote unquote off weekends for myself of uh jumping on and racing for a few hours when I get the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, last question, and then uh, unfortunately I got to jump off here, but it's kind of a two-part question. <clears throat> Pardon me, I'm sorry. Um, technical challenges notwithstanding, because you made you know reference both on earlier in this podcast and on about how you had challenges with Skype and um, how things have sort of progressed on on that front. Um, so the two-part question is: What were the biggest challenges at ISR outside of the tech? technical like was it you know was it getting sponsors was it dealing with the manufacturers was it dealing with your fan base or or what sort of things did you face and second part of that question how are you parlaying those lessons into sort of your future um in in sim racing if build your own channel or, or you know have a website or anything like that how have those lessons at isr translated into what you plan on doing in the future with sim racing that's a good question. Um, I'll note a couple challenges. I mean, the the fan interaction was somewhat of a challenge to keep up on. Uh, we get so many emails a day, and I try my best to respond to them. And then also, you know, the comment section. And then, you know, the comment section, um, you know, we talk about vo- vocal minorities. You get, you get a lot of that on YouTube. And there was definitely times where I probably paid too much attention to that. Now, there's definitely times where, you know, you put out a video and, and you you know what is good work and what isn't your best work. And there's times where you get you get feedback and you're like, yeah, I, des- I deserve that. You know, I, I see what you're, where you're coming at there. 
But no, I mean, there's definitely times where I struggled. You know, I, I think there was a point where I tried to, I kind of started easing up on reviews, both software and hardware, because it's like, you know, there's people that are legitimately trying, you know, their, their livelihood depends on this. And they're trying to do their best, and they just didn't get it. And then there's also a point of perspective of, you know, especially on the game side, you know, just because I don't like it, doesn't mean you shouldn't like it. You know, I'm going to point out these reasons again, try to like objectively point this out. But you know, if you love a game, go love a game. You know, it's not for me to stop you from something that you enjoy. And then there was other times, you know, based on kind of like feedback and stuff where then I, I probably, I tried to hit something a little bit harder. Um, you know, I look back at a bunch of reviews we did last year, uh, Project Cars 2 is probably a perfect example where, uh, I, <laughs> I enjoyed the game, but because I was playing it for like a two weeks straight, like nonstop living that mm. world, I got to a point where I got I got some races that were very frustrating, and I, I got into so like my ending on that, even though I was, it was mostly positive review, and then I had some negative things. I kind of gave it where I, I think I gave like a pass for now and stuff like that. And I'm looking back and looking at the word, you know, watching that wording, I'm kind of like I probably was a little too strong on that. I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have changed my opinion. I just think I was a little too, you know, strong on that. Also, and then the hardware side, you know, I had some reviews. I got beat up over the CSL Xbox review because I spent a lot of time on the negatives and how, like, you know, the wheelbase wouldn't stay steady, which was a thing. And um, and and uh, even as much feedback as I got from Fnatic, which, by the way, Fnatic was also an interesting one in, in terms of uh, anytime you do a review, the next day I'd have an email from... Uh, from Thomas, you know, saying, you know, what you missed or whatnot, where mm. I, I never got any feedback ever from Thrustmaster, even though they were a big sponsor of the show and you always worried about, you know, you want to be, you know, people thinking you're giving it, going easy because they're a sponsor. I mean, I only talked to those guys at E3 and, um, that was my only interaction with them ever. So that was always kind of funny. Uh, the most interaction I got was with people who, uh, you know, everyone thought we didn't like or whatever through sponsorship and bias and stuff. But, um, yeah, no, it's there's definitely times like that 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 were challenging, and just trying to do my best to. Uh, oh, well, let's get out with that wheel. Is there's times where I had some reviews where I would go and I would say like, this part's a pro, it's really great. I don't know what other words to lend to this other than it's great. And then in the cons part, I would really try to explain myself. I know people would challenge me, and then I it become like half the video, and then so and people would equate you liking or not liking something on how much time you spent on in the video. So, you know, looking back, there were so many learning curves of things that uh, I could have done better. And there's some reviews I go back and look. I looked at the, I watched a GT Sport review just the other day, uh, Wheel, and I felt, or not, uh, not the GT Sport, the TGT, and I thought I did a, a really good job there in terms of, you know, the length of it and presenting the pros and the cons and, you know, giving my opinion. And then there's other ones I look back and I kind of cringe. So, um, yeah, get, getting feedback yeah. from both, getting feedback from the community and, and, uh, and others, uh, over time changed things. And, uh, that was probably the most challenging thing. You just, you just don't want to come off as somebody who does reviews. You just don't want to come off as, as bias and you want to make everyone happy. And at some point you got to realize you're not always going to, you're not going to make everyone happy. So yeah. that, that was, that, that was a challenge. Definitely, definitely, and I, I I hear you on on all that because I you know certainly not on the on the scale of ISR, but I do my own reviews, and um, it's funny. What I've found is that for the most part, sort of 
people want to be proven right in their opinions. Um, My second most hated video, my first most hated video was was something to do with Gran Turismo Sport, which we don't need to get into today. But my second (laughs) most was just that came out, Project Cars 2, excuse me. I did seven cars that I like and two cars that I don't like. And those two cars that I didn't like attracted so much hate (laughs) it's unbelievable yeah yeah people i might as well have not done these seven cars i like at all i might as well have just done the (laughs) the last five minutes of that video where i talked about two cars that i wasn't happy with i quite frankly i don't even remember what the cars were at this point but it was just message after message i don't know what i'm talking about and that's actually how cars should feel and they worked with the actual race teams and blah 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 and um yeah, so I feel you there, John. I, I understand entirely. It's it's just kind of if you're going to say anything negative at all, just make it quick, or you know, best to avoid it is probably the best uh, advice I could offer. Yeah, yeah, and th- and that is a bit of a frustrating thing with YouTube and just the internet in general. Things that are, I mean, also, I mean, look at newspapers or or the news. If it bleeds, it leads because it's like people mm. pick up, react more to negative information than if everything's positive and like and you're right you like it like again everything in life these days you look at like you know news channel with politics people tend to go towards their their echo chamber and that's what they want here they they want they want you to justify their opinions their feelings and also the amount of money they spent on you know game or hardware they want you to justify and if you're not justifying their you know what they're doing uh, they tend people tend to lash out, and that and that's definitely the aspect that I um I mean that's a huge aspect that I, I really do not miss, and it does something that kind of gives me pause for I, I have thought about what I want to do in the future, and is it doing some videos? Is it maybe just doing more of the writing side? Because I started with just the writing on ISR TV, and I, and mm. I really like the writing. I really like doing the long form written reviews, kind of almost like old school games journalism. Um, you know, I'm not a journalist, but I mean, going down that route and, you know, and then these type of decisions in terms of like the back, you know, what response you get back from community I've put into account because unfortunately you can get 10 glowing reviews, but you get one negative review, uh, that one sticks to you way more. And that's just kind of, and I feel like the same for everyone and it's being human and you just got to be able to, you know have real thick skin but you know eventually it does get tiring mm. for sure for sure yeah. uh listen guys i gotta jump off but uh you know davy thank you so much for hosting and john oh, it's, you, it's so great to hear your voice man yeah absolutely you're, uh, mm. john you're such a legend in 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 sim racing and uh we missed hearing your voice for a long time so it's uh great to have you back on the scene man and i uh mm. look forward to a lot more from you in the future Oh, thank, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me on and uh, the kind words. Now, the, the back to the negative review. Is it, is it um, the, the negative feedback, like Mike talked about talking about his seven favorite cars and the two least favorite, and, the, and he got so much hate. If, like, whether it's a game or a piece of hardware, is it kind of, a, is it a buyer's remorse thing that people are, people want you to be positive about something that, that they've invested in? And if, if you don't, it's like, you know, it's like, not hatred, but it's really like a backlash. What yeah, no, I think, I yes, mm. I think if it's something that they, A, either already own, or B, are really hyped to get, um, I do think, people take it as you're calling them stupid. 
essentially. Really? Uh, I, I do yeah. think people take it that way. Um, that uh, yeah, I mean, you're 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 going against all these feelings and thoughts that they've had, and again, that translates into you know hard-earned money that's that's spent. Mm. So uh, I I do think there is a lot of that, which is I mean it, it's it's unfortunate, and and again, and also we also got to put in here uh, again, it's this isn't everyone, and it, it's probably not even the no. majority. It's probably no. a lot of you know people out there that go, uh, oh okay, well I mean they say this is better, I got this. Well maybe one day I'll be able to afford that, or you know this is what I got. I like it good enough. I'm gonna go on with my day and not put any more thought into it. Thanks for the thanks for the video. Yeah, you know, you, 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 that's probably what the vast majority of uh, of thoughts and comments are. But I mean, mm. no, I mean there is there's a there's a vocal minority that definitely goes and makes it uh, tougher on uh, on everyone else. Yeah, um, I think that in terms of the negative comments, I think anonymity online that's the worst thing because you can call yourself, you know whatever and you can go on and you can be as mean as you want and nobody knows who you are but it's different than when you go on like like if i go on google like or you know i'm using my my name my channel name so to speak and people can click on and um, see who i am so if i'm going to make a comment and i don't regularly make mean comments i wouldn't in general but if i did say something that somebody disagreed with they can click on it and go to the to the channel and know exactly who i am you know 100% and something that's it's interesting in general internet society I don't I don't know which way this is going see when um so when when iRacing came out and they made you use your name on your yes. credit card I thought that was brilliant like I thought this is yes. such a good idea cuz now you know you know who this person is yes now and so like I've kind of carried that on I mean obviously you know then I did inside sim racing my name's out there I'm like okay the cat's out of the bag I'm out there. So like like I mentioned in, in Billy's podcast, um, uh, I follow a lot of real racing. I spend a lot of my time over at racer.com yes. on their, you know, putting comments like everyone else on real racing topics. And I, my, they use Discuss there. Uh, I have my real name. I am John Sable. There is a picture of me. Because it's like, I, I don't want to hide behind an avatar. I mean, this no. is this is me. Like I said, at this point, you know, I can understand people want to kind of be, you know, you know, not put themselves out there for, my, I don't know, maybe a, a safety thing or whatever. Mm. But, you know, it's like, I've I've been out there. So, like, on, uh, so yeah, on Discuss, I'm, I'm John Sable. On Twitter, I'm, well, my username is John, John Sable, because that was the only thing available. Yeah. You know, John Sable wasn't available. And I wanted something yeah. that was, again, I didn't want an avatar. I wanted something that was a little more, you know, my name. So, um, you know, people can look me up on that there and follow me if uh, you want to hear me complain about NASCAR coverage and how great IndyCar is these days. Uh, <laughs> those are, those yeah. are the main two uh, train of thoughts. But, um, yeah, but with that said, I was kind of hoping that as people get online earlier and earlier that they would go and use more like their real names and mm. stuff like that and get rid of hiding behind uh, usernames. But I think maybe the opposite's happening because as kids get on younger and younger, you know, as a kid, you just kind of more go towards a username. And also, I don't know if, you know, kids should be using their real name out the, on the internet. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing. No, so that's, that's the, a good point. Un- yeah. 
Yeah, so they're using usernames, and then also there seems to be this culture now of, like, you go on the internet to be mean to people, and that's just how it is. And yeah. and so, like, when you when people get confronted in real life, I've seen a little bit of this, uh, for things they said, like real nasty stuff, it's kind of like, I'm that's just what you do. Mm. Like, that's become accepted, and that's a real concern. So we'll see where it goes. You know, you get these and you get 12, 13, 14 year olds going online and then going forward. Uh, you hope at some point there's a realization that, uh, no, you know, these words matter and this can come back to real life and we should treat the internet like real life. Yeah. But I don't know. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And I guess if you start as a kid, maybe you get an Xbox age nine or ten, you go with your name, whatever you make up a name, and you 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 know, you go into teens, late teens and early twenties and you still have the same name and maybe you're you're in you want to change it, but like for example with PlayStation you can't, so you can't, yeah, exactly. You know, you know you're you're the you're the silly name you created when you were nine years old and you can't change it. And you, like I notice many forums I'll go in and I'll make a name and I want to change it to my actual name because I'm now kind of represent, representing my channel across multiple channels. But I'm not able to. So then you kinda of have to yeah. create a new account and so on. So well, and you brought and you brought up uh, kind of funny earlier, and they had uh, Colin and Greg used to have uh, yes. PS I Love You show, yes. and they have the the, the terrible PS na- PSN names yes. where people would would could give their awful PSN name from back when they were a dumb kid, and now they want to change it, and you can't, you're stuck with it, and yeah, as, as things go more digital in the games point, you you do get stuck with that. So I yeah. hopefully these companies. Like I know it's it's a pain. They probably don't do it because it's a major headache on their part. Yeah. On, on, on but it's like yes, please f- change something in your system <laughs> that allows people to change yeah. their usernames yeah. at least once. Yeah. You know, at least get exactly. like one get out yeah. of jail free card when you become an adult yeah. and you realize that uh, yeah. this name is awful. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's. Oh, it's, it's and I remember, something. yeah, exactly. Greg and Colin would be on PS. I love you, and they'd be they'd be saying, "Shuhei Yoshida, you're watching, aren't you? When are we getting yeah. the ability to change our names? You know." So uh, exactly. <laughs> now I, I don't want to keep you all day, so I, I had some notes. Now um, you talked about your kind of you would like to get back into iRacing, and you're interested in F1 2018, which is coming out this month. And you're also interested in, in perhaps a World Rally Championship game. The next version is six, seven, or eight. I don't. I think it's seven or eight. And then GT Sport. And then you were curious about um, you were curious about a set of course a competizione from the point of view of the fact that it's going to be using Unreal Engine four and it will have rain, rain effects, and day to night transitions. But um, so those are the things you're looking forward to and then and then i th- i thought about for example um assetto corsa itself and r factor 2 and race room and and project cars 2 so what games are you playing now or looking to play and and what are the things that you would would be interested in and now and 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 dovetailing in a way to the the motorsports you follow i know you you follow um nascar and i guess you also formula formula one and perhaps indycar so are the games you like to play are they kind of in a way directly related to the motorsports you follow now the motors the games you play may not necessarily necessarily have the forms of motorsport that you follow but but is there is there a like if for example if there's nascar uh, uh, inside um 
uh, iRacing? Are you kind of playing iRacing for the NASCAR or, you, or would you be playing, would you be looking forward to Formula One 2018 because of Formula One or how, how do you see yeah. it right now? No, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, I got into sim racing because I'm such a racing fan. And yes. I went into, I went into sim racing to, you know, try to be like my favorite drivers on the weekends. So, um, no, like, like I mentioned earlier, iRacing, getting the new uh, 2018 bodywork for the Indy cars, like, at the very beginning of the year when the bodywork first came out was such a big thing. I remember when, mm. you know, when the when the DW12 IndyCar came out in 2012, the iRacing version, which was the first version in any game out there, uh, didn't come out until uh, two years later, 2014, I think. Okay. No, maybe, no, it was 20. No, it was 20, I think it was 2015. Yeah, it was. So it was like so it was like three years later, and then at that point, they had gone on to like they changed the body kit again or something. So. Um, it was it's so neat when the when the games are able to update right away with new cars yes that motivates me a lot um you know also in my racing world i I was very um excited to see how like now they got the 911 rsr there now of course a set of course they got it first and i love driving that car in a set of course so um you know that's very exciting and then also when a set of course i got the 2017 uh ferrari that was pretty exciting even though i could never quite get my hands my head wrapped around that car for whatever reason that was always a real struggle for me yeah um and i don't i don't know how much was me or the car i really didn't spend enough time uh on it to say but um yeah there is a there is a good amount of what i watch that translates to that um so yeah i i do watch a lot of f1 and i am curious but i'm interested in f1 2018 um, like I said, iRacing side right now, and, I, and a lot of reasons I say iRacing, not that, you know, something I've done for a long time, but it, I, because like we talked about earlier, I'm so mm. limited on time, Yes, it's easier to jump into something that I know. And also I really like racing online and the only way to race online for the most part without having a really set planned out schedule is being able to jump in on a, a session in iRacing. Yeah. So, uh, an, an open race. Versus having yeah. to get a whole league stuff set up and all that kind of jazz. So, yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah. So, so that's something that kind of gets me leaning towards that. But I am interested in. Uh, I I have in Jones in the drive WRC seven again. I know eight's going to be coming out, or maybe I'll just go back to seven because I, I really enjoyed that. It's in seven so, the latest uh, one, John. Sorry, I don't recall. Yeah, yeah, se- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I just, don't worry. I messed this up last week with Billy because I, I couldn't keep track. But yeah, <laughs> I think right now the the number matches what year it is. So ah, uh, okay. And, so so last year was seven. Ah, I guess this year is yeah eight. eight I guess be, you know, yeah. I, I haven't I haven't really seen any previews for but i assume it's coming because yeah. it was released about this time last year so yeah. i don't know like, so that's kylaton in I, france isn't it so mm. correct and yeah. uh, up until last year there wasn't a whole lot to get excited from from that series but uh last yeah. year i mean the, the physics got better they're still not you know not the the best but they got better and then also more importantly the stages were awesome yeah they did a great job with the yeah stages. billy was very so, impressed with that game he was very impressed i remember he did a he did a kind of a drive, kind of a kind of a driving review, and he was very impressed. And you as well. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. that's a title I was interested in. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, but yeah. So that's kind of where I'm looking at going forward here. Uh, and then I mean, I, I I really probably do need to get back into at least seeing what's going on with Project Cars Two some more. I haven't yeah. I haven't raced much of sort of. I used to race a, a decent amount of Soto Corsa. I haven't in a while, and I've also been out of race room for a bit. 
Um, and I know they got the new WTCR cars and the Porsche. That, I, mm-hmm. that I like to like, yeah, that I like to check out. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it, like everything there is, um, this is something I always kind of wondered from inside sim racing perspective. Obviously when I was doing that full time, I had the time and the, and the motivation to go and check out all this new stuff to keep up but to now, date. Yeah. Exactly. But now mm. as I've gone back to being a, a, a civilian, essentially, this is something I was always kind of amazed because uh, we get, you know, people who go and the same people who comment on all these different sims. I'm like, are you racing all these different things? Yeah. I don't know yeah. how you have enough time. And then not yeah. only do you, you know, on Inside Sim Racing, us covering everything, I struggled enough to cover everything, much less, as you know, as you get in the one game, you go down a rabbit hole. And you get an R-Factor 2, and, you know, a set of Corsa, and, you know, there's mods, and then there's different yeah. apps, and then you're, it keeps on going on and on and on, and you can get yeah. really deep where yeah. you kind of lose, you know, you don't see the light anymore. Yeah. And then, so, that makes it, uh, I, I don't know how people run so many different things and maybe they've got more free time than i do they must so, have uh, yeah they must have so, so i'm hoping to kind of get back focused and and it'll probably be mostly like, like i said the, the indie car on iRacing is something that i'm kind of just setting my sights on and trying to run that more every week and also i want to get back and understand the car for a little while there yeah i got mm. oh i got decent at car setups especially like on the the indie car uh, where I, I kind of figured it out. I figured out what I needed to do with the baseline setup from suspension and the arrow and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then but I got into doing inside sim racing. I just didn't have time to do the setup stuff, mm. and I really got out of that. Yeah. And the setup side is so important to the, to the sim racing and, and enjoyment levels. Uh, I used to not understand why there was like fixed setup or even the appeal of something, say, like you know a console racer like a Gran Turismo Sport or a, a, a Forza where you can use a couple sliders, but for the most part, you just kind of like drive it how it is. Yeah. You know, I used to be, when I got when I got into sim racing, I was like, ugh, that sounds terrible. I want to be able to tweak with everything. But now as I've gotten older and a little more, uh, less time on my hands, I'm like, yeah, something fixed that you just jump in and focus on driving. That doesn't mm. sound so bad. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And I have tried, I have tried, toe and camber and and i have tried still god bless i still don't get it and and we had actually alex alex hodgkinson from from sector three who's doing the physics now from um for a race room he's actually a driving instructor himself and uh, he actually he he created an image a document which is like explains it one page and i've been struggling but uh, something you said was interesting maybe maybe if you like if you become used to the system in say iRacing, let's say iRacing have a setup screen with a series of tabs. If you become used to how that works, that can create a lot of stickiness in a way because you can kind of, well, okay, well, I want to drive the, maybe the sprint cars on dirt or maybe you want to drive IndyCar, NASCAR. I can go between different classes, but I can understand the system because the different titles, they all have it implemented in different ways. And it can take, you know, like you said, you can you could I you could go into R Factor Two in the workshop and then race department, or you know a set of course and a set of course and race pa- race department for mods. You go down the rabbit hole, you might never come out, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, no one one hundred percent, and mm. I think you know that's a tough thing too. You know, some people get in a sim race and they find it really daunting, and they get in the sim and they're like, I don't like this, and it's like, well, 
you might like this if we, you know, we change this setting back in the INI file, or, you know, here's here's a setup to this car, mm. uh, here's some tips on how to drive this track, you know, there's, there's, it's just, you know, they're sims. They're sims, and to yes. some degree, unfortunately, it's kind of, it's a very fractured market, which, so yeah. it makes it, it, it makes it unfortunate in that you know there's less users for each game, which then makes it tougher on the developers, and it maybe has to cost more. And then it, it's tougher to get a unified voice. So you know, it, I, I look back to flight simulators. I was never really in this world, so maybe I'm messing this up. But like for the longest time, there was like the official Microsoft flight sim that seemed yes. like for the most part, which is back now on uh, Steam. Yeah, by the way, yeah, that's mm. that's, oh, that's what I heard. Yeah. So for the most part. Uh, I feel like a, at least maybe a good chunk of the community, let's say, focused on that one thing. So if you wanted to get into it, there was kind of one path to go. I, mean, I yes. saw that a little bit with NASCAR Racing 2003. You know, if you wanted to go oval racing on the computer, all you had with NASCAR Racing 2003, uh, there, R-Factor tried a little bit, but that wasn't very good. Uh, so you had one pathway to go, so you got into it, and it's like, okay, here's the pathway and it was simpler to get going into it and get down a road to, you know, maybe a little more enjoyment. Yeah. Here, it's so much, you know, these days now, it's like, ooh, shiny light, shiny light, shiny light. So you bounce around, bounce around, bounce around. I think it's mm. easier to be almost uh, not as contempt yeah. instead of just finding one thing and working on doing that well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 all interesting. But, uh, but hey, I, I do need to uh, get running myself here, yes. Davey. So, uh, <laughs> John, thank you very much for joining. And as Mike said, it's great to hear your voice and it's looked, it's great to hear you kind of back and, and talking and, and you have so much to say and so much history. And, and I think so much, so many people are so eager to hear what you have to say. So thank you very much for joining. It's been absolutely, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to stick stick around at least on Discord side and maybe forums here and there. And I don't know, maybe we'll we'll see. Maybe at some point in the future, I'll figure something out where uh, I can have my voice out there more, or I'll just keep coming on other people's podcasts, and uh, that that'll work out too. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, John. Thank you. If you enjoyed the podcast, please remember to like and subscribe to the channel. And your comments and questions are always welcome on the comment section below the video player on YouTube. The podcast is available on multiple podcasting services such as iTunes, Google Play and Stitcher Radio. And we'll also include RSS feeds for adding to your favorite podcasting player. Along with a link to my website where you can either listen to the episode or simply download the mp3 file. And if you're listening to the podcast on a podcasting service such as iTunes, we'd appreciate the addition of a rating and a review there as well. Until next time, thank you.